everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Hi, y'all. Today, I am not with Trent because these are our one-off episodes we do every year so we can pretend we're fighting for real reels. But I am here today and I'm covering Danny Darko with Josh Korngut. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for joining me for this very special episode where I'm mm-hmm. going to probably overshare too much because Jake Gyllenhaal and this movie from my youth. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Triggering already. Already. People mm-hmm. are like, turn it off. I don't want this. Mm -hmm. Turn on S. Darko, actually, instead. Listen. (laughs) More women roles (laughs) and franchises made famous by men. More More roles for Samara from The Ring. Yes. Justice for Samara. Mm -hmm. But Josh, you joined us for the very controversial Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, (laughs) I did. Yes, I did. Will you reintroduce yourself for people who skipped that episode because they skipped that movie? Well, first of all, how dare all of you? And second of all, hi, I am Josh Corngut. I work with Sheree at Dread Central, but I also have my own podcast. It's called Development Hell, and I uncover horror movies that were never made. So I'm talking about Friday vs. Jason Part 2. I'm talking about Alien 5. All of the things you wish you could have had and you didn't get, I'm bringing it back. Nostalgia for things we haven't had. Yep. That's it. Yes. I, I stay bitter, so it's a good podcast for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I constantly bring back Sheree. I, I think I've had her on like five times now. Does that sound right? This drops in August, so hopefully it'll be more by then. Oh, 150% that's going to be more. I, I've already talked. We're talking about Donnie. Have we have we exposed what our topic is? Oh, today? yeah. It's Donnie Darko. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Daddy Darko. We're talking about Daddy Darko today. And um, in our very in-depth research, I have noticed that there is a sequel that never got made. And this is going to be our extended universe, I have to say. I love it. I love this for us. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. Richard Kelly, bringing us together again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, unlike his own career, The Box with Cameron Diaz. That's all I can think of. I mean, when you work with Cameron Diaz. I- she was on drag race recently looking pretty good yeah i'm worried about that franchise because she's the sign of end times (laughs) is she she the true harbinger like just give her a bell i think so now that we've seen her we know the world's gonna end everybody (laughs) i mean it's it's not uh, it's not like a huge spoiler alert but it's a good it's good confirmation I've been wondering because I saw where the story was going and again I watch a lot of TV so I'm like I think that's about to wrap it up um and then she was like it's about to wrap up don't make plans for Christmas <laughs> yeah yeah I'm here guys uh yeah get, get your caskets no it's gonna be fine um but yeah so I, I do development hell I work at Dread Central oh I'm also a filmmaker um love making horror movies and I'm hoping that's where my life goes I think it will. I'm looking forward to getting coffee for you on set someday. Oh, thank God. But you better not mess it up. You know I can't read good. I'm going to scald your face. And go, <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't do that. I, I actually used to work as craft. Do you know what that means? Oh, yeah. You make the food on set. Yes. Yes. I, I did the craft department on Big Brother Canada. Um, and um, 
not the best years of my life. I imagine. <laughs> it's, just, it's just me running around with cheese plates around like giant studios, just like not knowing where people wanted cheese. It was, it was, uh, was like, kind of like Mouse Hunt, really. I, I always want cheese in my mouth. So like I, <laughs> yeah, I like the easiest person. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or like on bread and then in my mouth. I mean, I'll allow that. I'll allow that. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. on a nice like a charcuterie board mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes mm-hmm. Hmm. um okay grilled cheese sandwiches is it okay to have american cheese on it or do you have to do real cheese i mean i i'm not the biggest fan of america but i will allow Nah, i have to say it has to happen right it's like the that, one burgers and grilled cheese it's like acceptable behavior that are very strong um cheddar Ooh, old old fort <laughs> i always says old fort but i'm assuming that's like French or something? I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? It doesn't matter. Delete this. I'm so ashamed. The cheese stays. <laughs> stays no. forever. Does, when you get like crappy cheddar in the States, um, the, does the mild one come in green and like the like the like really intense one come in red? Or is that just Canadian? That's Canadian. Oh, like, we stuck. You don't know you get bad cheese until you get it home. And you're like, oh, no, I didn't read all the words. I just <laughs> um, <laughs> no, discovered lately the, like, horrible, like, bags of shredded cheese. Oh, those are the worst. I throw yeah. them on nachos and I yeah, put yeah. cheese. And I'm like, what was the purpose? <laughs> one time, one time I added it to a salad once. Oh, yeah. I, I like to do that because I don't like salads. So I need to make it cheesy. I don't either. I, I don't just, either. I just discovered goat cheese crumbles are already crumbled, mm-hmm. so I don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's oh, go, goat cheese is truly the best. When just you wrap around a fruit. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. Fruit. <laughs> fruit, of course. Of course. Like in our Trader Joe's here, you can get air and she's like wrapped in like blueberries or cranberries. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's orgasmic. I just. Oh, I hear we don't have Trader Joe's in Canada, but I hear that it's culty. Would you say that that's true? Yes. What makes yes. it so culty? I'm, this is going to be a longer episode. Oh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's, it's all because of cheese. The cheese will always lead the way. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the cheese is the future. Future <laughs> well. Um, I, Trader Joe's just has this vibe of um, it's that whole hippie commune situation, mm. and so like they're they're too nice, and you can't trust nice people handling your food. Um, if you don't like a product, you can bring it back, even if you've opened it. And I'm like, what is what is this? Do you not understand? This is capitalism here now. Sorry, my dog is freaking out. <laughs> We love dogs on this show. Um, I can't have a pet. <laughs> I, every day is hell. Every day is hell. Because I'm like, is this the day he's going to be rude when I'm recording? And every day is a recording day. So I really apologize to you right now. But I think we're going to be fine. This is why I always make you record at like 10 p.m. at night. Because <laughs> nothing can go wrong. What if he's only barking because he sees Cameron Diaz and he's warning you? It's coming sooner know, than you thought. I, I have to know what, what happened with you and Cameron that I don't know about. What didn't happen with me is and Cameron? She, is she a bad man that I didn't know? I just, <laughs> probably. Um, she just, I, I did not respect her streak of movies. Um, mm, okay, okay. We're just not a fan. We're not, we yeah. just don't fan the cam. No, and she's of that era where if you were blonde and tall, then you were everywhere, whether mm-hmm. or not you had talent or tried. And so for all I know, there's a really great actress in there. I just never get to know her because she's mm-hmm. like, I'm pretty. Well, you know that she was best friends with Drew Barrymore and Drew Barrymore... Happens to be my favorite thing about Donnie Darko. 
Listen, I think she's miscast, but I love seeing her here. But I also, think she's I ooh, okay. Uh, we need to finish introducing you because I have. Okay, I'm about sorry. Yes. I'm sorry. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, so I, think, I think I introduced myself pretty good. We got more questions for you because this is Fear Street. Hell yeah! What? Hell yeah! <laughs> what, Hell yeah! What have you been watching since we last saw you? Oh, you know, I went to the Tribeca Film Festival, um, and I know that you saw quite a few things there too. And I saw some things there that I really, really loved. So I saw this German film called Family Dinner, which had like mm. a real slow burn G- German spooky vibe to it. And I really liked it. I am, I am a fat man and you never see fat protagonists in horror unless it's done like truly atrociously. And I felt like they handled it fairly well in that one. So. I- I lived because I am a fat girl and you don't see us in the horror movies unless we're like the joke or the sidekick about to get stabbed. Yeah. I, I while, quoted while eating something. Listen, it's like not that baguette in my mouth. Now you want to stab me. <laughs> um, it's so awkward. But now I, I think I quoted your review in my review because I did a video review for Fear Street and we oh, had a similar thought about it. Yeah. Oh, I want to know what you thought. I, I, want, I wonder what it was. Do you remember offhand? I think we no, I think we both agreed that we wanted it to lead to something bigger because it was very subtle uh, the whole movie. Yes. Yes. I, I okay, so I guess spoiler alert if you don't want to hear anything about this movie that's I think upcoming, skip ahead. But yeah, it's very slow burn to the point of it never really gets anywhere gigantic. I think like a really good example of a slow burn horror movie would be The House of the Devil, High West, where it's like really slow and it builds and it builds. And then it does sort of crest with some really freaky stuff. It doesn't really go there this time around, but no. it was still spooky, ooky, and honestly delicious. I really liked, there's just so much food styling in this movie. Yes. And that really does it for me, depending. So I love food porn. I'm not going to lie to you. It's part of the reason I can never be a Cameron Diaz wait. Um, because I'm just like, oh, are they eating on TV? Let me also eat. Oh, the second there's a commercial for Volvita, I'm like, already out of the house at the corner store listen i'm like hello uber eats (laughs) i need another cheeseburger i'm like we just left you i'm like that was five minutes ago this is now i was triggered by tv give me a full pizza um (laughs) Um, so that is one thing that i saw that i like there okay something else that i saw recently is i saw the black phone and i liked it i have to say i did like i don't think it's going to be for literally every human being on this planet um, and my opinion is you're going to be one of those people that it's not for, but we'll oh. see. I know. I, the, this is my feeling. Everybody I know is divided. And so I'm excited oh. to have an opinion whenever I get to see it. I just, I'm a big Joe Hill fan. So he's the guy that wrote the story that it's based on. And it's very Joe Hill. Like Joe Hill loves putting children in peril. So if that's not something for you and I can respect that, I'm talking to the proverbial you right mm-hmm. now. Um, don't watch this one because there's a lot of children in peril in this movie. But I love it. And I like that it's not a sequel or a reboot or some kind of weird combination of the two. It's just like this new old school horror movie about a serial killer. And I really get into it. I also love a good horror movie that has like a really striking, like iconic mask. And they do it really good in this one. And um, Daddy Savini designed the mask in it. Yeah. Listen, Dad, I found out he's in his 70s. And I'm like, oh, yeah. what is he eating and drinking? Because I need to go on that regimen 90 years ago. It's just like bench pressing salads. I don't right? know. Right. It's got to be like, something like that. 
I did the math. When he played Sex Machine from Dust Till Dawn, he was not young, but he looked young. Has he ever been young? I think he was born with that scary mustache. No, I mean, not scary. I take it back. Beautiful mustache. I love, I, no, I love him. I love him. No, no notes. No notes. I think he has the mustache, so we have something to say about him that's not positive. I'm just so anti-mustache. I was thinking, every time I see a hot guy on the internet with a mustache, I'm like, why? Why are He's you hiding that? something. What? <laughs> yeah, no upper lip. It's just <laughs> gone. <laughs> I'm so sorry for future whoever is editing this. I apologize to them right now. It's me, and it's fine, because this is all going to stay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Listen, I, I support that, too. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be about cheese and mustaches, but we're going to get there. That's the name uh, of the episode. Listen, tell the people where they can find you if you've already done it. We're going to reiterate, because we've talked about a lot of things since the last. That's <laughs> true. That's true. So you can find me a number of places. First of all, on Twitter, at Josh Corngut. If you don't know how to spell it, that's fine. You don't need to find me. But you can also find my podcast at Development Hell Pod on Instagram or at Devil Hell Pod on Twitter. Because that's cute, right? Love it. Isn't that cute? And then, of course, you can find me on Dread Central if you just like type in Josh Coringo Dread Central and you'll find my thousands of articles, most of them about Rob Zombie's The Monsters. But it's going to come out someday and you're going to get to go back to having joy. And I want that for you. <laughs> and then there's going to be the day that movie comes out. People don't know this, but like I have to write about it a lot for work. I think it was clear. The day this movie finally comes out, they're going to announce the sequel. No, don't you yeah. dare. Don't you wish that upon us. No, it's true. I just have to prepare for it emotionally. You know, and, like yeah. you have to brace for something horrible. Like, no, something good like that. Um... No, no. <laughs> No. Rob Zombie's if, listening to this. No, he's not. Like, I've said he has Confederate energy too many times. He, he's turned <laughs> us off and he's blocked us. Like, <laughs> he doesn't want to hear the truth. <laughs> well, he's a really big fan of mine, so he'll probably, he's probably following over just for, just for this episode. You would bring Rob Zombie into my house? No, no, no. no, no, no. He followed me in. He followed <laughs> me in. I told you to check out sure you were being tailed by Confederate <laughs> energy <laughs> movie makers. <laughs> But let us talk about Donnie Darko. Okay. Uh, so first off, we I feel like before we even get into all of your wonderful thoughts, we have to address what are our histories with this weird-ass movie? Because mm-hmm. I, who didn't see it in their youth? That's a very good question. Can I go first? Yeah, always. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a gay of a certain age, and I think all of us definitely encountered this movie in our youth. This is like... A garden state. This is like one of those quintessential millennial growing up moments that you could not escape. And this was a big one for me. I remember owning this on DVD. I remember being really obsessed with the score, being really obsessed with the music in it, being really obsessed with this movie. I think one of the biggest impressions that it left was this movie had a website back in like 2001, which was like very much... Um, a very surreal, spooky, early internet thing. And I remember everyone going to it and being like, whoa, it's like a really, I don't know, meaningful experience. But at the end of the day, it wasn't. It was just a bunch of like squiggly lines. But it meant a lot to me at the time. Listen, I love that. More squiggly line, old websites. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think, have I ever talked to you about this? There was this website back in the day and you had to type the number one 
Okay, so the number one, you have to type it 60 times.com. Okay, so no. it's the number one, 60 times.com. And it brought you to like a super surreal, very bizarre, like evil Sailor Moon caricatures mixed with like, you know, weird political imagery kind of a thing. And it like really blew our minds in middle school. Um, very like post internet, pre internet, like spaghetti sauce. And <laughs> I found that the Donnie Darko website kind of had a similar vibe to that. I would never go to that website. Typing it anything 60 times just goes wrong. Okay. The, <laughs> the trick was to type six, the, the number one 10 times and then copy and paste that six times. That's still too much effort. I... <laughs> no, you felt like you felt like a sleuth. You know, you felt like you were like, fear.coming or like you feel like you were getting to the to the truth behind the internet no no <laughs> but it's okay we have to disagree okay. on something every once in a while so we can say we're different people <laughs> what funny. so that was my that was my initial experience with Donnie Darko um what about you so I was late to the Donnie Darko train because I was homeschooled so I felt a lot of trains um but I was older and I was at community college and I had a friend at the time they were like what do you mean you've never seen Donnie Darko Jay Gyllenhaal is hot and it's weird that's your aesthetic and I'm like how dare you let's put it on um because of course they had the DVD because like what weird kid didn't have the Donnie Darko DVD aside from me at that time um and so we watched it and I was like I think it broke my brain um, but I like it and proceeded to like listen to this version of the mad world forever and always because Gary Jules, right? Yeah. right? I love how Gary Jules is like, mm, you say you're not emo, but also, <laughs> <laughs> but you're 13 in the year 2000 and everything just seems so complicated. Yeah. Wait till 2022, baby. It's going to get worse. No, it doesn't get like, better. It gets worse. It gets worse. That's the website we need. <laughs> yeah. It's not. I'm gonna. That's <laughs> what the Donnie Darko website should have told us in the year 2000. They failed us. They failed us all. They really uh, could have given us a heads up. They could. Listen, have. listen. I doubt their commitment to Sparkle Motion because they did not fucking warn us what we were they about didn't. to walk into. It was kind of like the whole theme of the movie that, like, instead of a giant like airplane motor falling on your house, you're gonna lose all your rights. Listen. Listen, and then you're gonna want to go back and get in the bed and hope that it falls on you. Um, yeah. <laughs> and your mom yeah. gets to enjoy one cigarette, you know, because she's trust. Listen, um, I guess that you get to have a cigarette when your son catches an engine from an unknown plane that you were supposed to be on in a different universe. I still don't understand <laughs> that ending 100%, but I know that we're gonna get to it. I don't understand this movie, but I like it. <laughs> I have to say that I like it too. I was actually interested that I was really wondering if you were going to still like it after all these years, because I, I went in with a negative energy. Like yeah. I watched about 20 minutes of it last night and I was like, I don't know. And then I finished it today and I thought, no, I, I no. it's still, it still got me. It's just still was, got me. I was very worried because I revisited quite a few things I watched as a, like a kid or a younger person who was in community college. And I'm, it's all of it's so offensive. And I was like, ah, why were we watching that? And this, I mean, could there have been more non-white people? Yes. Could there have been queer people? Oh, hell yeah. Um, but also, I mean, aside from those notes, which are notes I have for like 99.9% of movies, <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't really have anything negative to say. I, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I just revisited Annihilation recently. Oh. And um, I always had a sinking feeling that the ending to that was complete, like, straight man 
nonsense Mm -hmm. and it absolutely is and so I definitely do not still resonate with Annihilation like I used to and I was really worried that this was going to have the same sort of uh bullshit um existential philosophical like straight guy in his undergrad Mm -hmm. energy which it does but it earns it in a way that Annihilation and Let's face it, men do not earn it. Listen, uh, one of the first movies we covered when we got this podcast, I said when we got it, like we earned it. We made this shit up. You one of the first it. movies we watched when we made this podcast, um, we went back to revisit the craft because as a kid, we both loved it individually because we weren't like kids together, obviously. He's in Arkansas and I'm never going there again. But like we rewatched it because I'm like, yeah, the craft, yeah, the craft. And as I was watching, like this was written by a dude and I never knew as a child. Had I known this was written by a dude, the messaging is weird. The way things are handled are weird. Rochelle is handled badly and Rachel mm-hmm. too is a goddess who deserved more. And I, I came out of it and I was like, I got complaints. And that was one of the first times I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot of undoing <laughs> things I thought I was still going to love and mm-hmm. painful. <laughs> which, which is like, it's painful, but it's interesting. And I don't know how this movie managed to swerve that. It's just so unique and it's so like beautiful. It's really right? beautiful experience. And it, they didn't have time to get so problematic because they were like, we're trying to tell a bunch of complicated theories. We don't yeah. have time to be like fat jokes. Well, I mean, they tried a couple, but like it wasn't. They did to a couple, yes. <laughs> they did. They did. And they did have a moment of racism because like Shreed also deserves better. She does. And I mean, we'll get to her, right? We will definitely get to her. She's one of my notes and we have to. Okay, good. But- I think overall, this movie was just like, we are doing too many things to be out here being problematic white men. Mm-hmm. We need to try and rein it in and focus because we're going to lose our audience. It's almost two hours, which... Really? Yeah, I didn't know that until I was watching today. And I was like, what do you mean it's an hour and whatever? It's like close to two hours. It's like oh, an hour wow. 40, hour 50. It doesn't feel it. Still, it doesn't. I, I thought it was like an hour and 30, maybe. And I thought I was pushing it. But like when you're in there and you're like, these scenes do go on quite long. Mm-hmm. yeah but it's never boring it's never boring and it's always i don't know it's it's always up to something pretty unique which i love like it's just i don't know in the performances because again like i we we should get into notes i'm gonna keep circling things and then repeating myself and then i'm gonna have to edit and i don't want to i don't like editing yeah oh it's hell development hell it's in there Gonna see myself out now. <laughs> What's one of your first thoughts, notes, feels? I'm glad that you asked. So the first thing that really struck me on this rewatch, and I think you're not gonna feel the same way, was Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore, who produced this film with her production company, Flower Films, plays a, a super interesting, in my opinion, high school teacher. And uh, I guess she's sort of like an, an an influence for Donnie, but she's sort of also just circling around the story with her own emotional beats and sort of doing her own thing, which culminates in like a pretty actually tragic ending for her. But um, there's a scene where Jenna Malone, or Jenna Maloney, I don't really know how to say her name, comes into town. And she is coming to this classroom and Drew Barrymore's teacher character says, sit next to the boy who you think is the cutest. And it was like this really interesting scene where you see this high school teacher who's like clearly a little bit insane, but also probably a really good teacher on some levels, playing this role of the, mm, 
like the anthropologist with her students and like kind of allowing them to sort of breathe and do their own thing and like even doing some kind of witchy matchmaking in a way, which isn't appropriate, but it was so interesting to watch this character move around and, and do her own thing. And also she just is so hot in this to me. Like Drew Barrymore in this is like peak hot. I I love Drew Barrymore and I love this role. And I think that this was just definitely part of that era of Drew Barrymore being like, I'm not playing the youth anymore. Cause this is 2001. So she's like, I'm gonna start playing older roles. And I think that this one was written as somebody older than she was. Um, same with Noah Wiley who plays her significant other in this movie. They are both playing people who are older than they are. Oh, uh, so that's the science teacher? Yeah. I did not, I wasn't paying close enough attention. I didn't realize that they were a couple. They were in bed together when they all wake up from the dream because they were, they kept being together. And I was like, are they married? Are they seeing each other? And it's like a weird like roommate situation, but they were in bed canoodling when they both were like, he's dead, but we don't know it. He was hot as hell in this too. He's always been hot. I watched ER for him. He was my favorite doctor. Okay, so who is he? I don't know this Noah Wiley guy. I know the name and he looked lightly familiar. And I was distracted by how smoking hot he was. But like, why should I know him? If you haven't seen ER and you haven't watched The Librarians, you probably missed a lot of the things he does. Because he does random indie movies like this every once in a while. Uh He's also does some stage work. He came into a theater I worked at in Chicago and he didn't speak to anybody, but I knew who he was. And I was staring around his friend at him. And he was like, oh no, I've been made. She must be over a certain age. And I was like, (laughs) dare you? (laughs) Working in theater in Chicago, you probably saw some crazy stuff. Mm, listen, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But yeah, they were interesting to me. Noah Wiley's character, I think, was kind of underused, but not in a way that I'm complaining about. Yeah. I'd much rather see, you know, content with the lady teacher, which we did. And there was a moment where they, they were, they both. Donnie Darko is like thought to be this kid that committed this act of um, vandalism on the school because he did do it. But the teachers don't know who it is. And there's this moment in like the teacher's lounge with like, Drew Barrymore and I think Noah Wiley. Yep. And they're like talking about how it probably was Donnie Darko. And they just kind of laugh, but not in this rude way, in this kind of like, I don't know, neutral way. And I, I really yeah. loved it. They're, I think that they're rooting for him. And again, it's, it's complicated because I think their characters are written just older than they are and could ever play. And so like, mm-hmm. they're giving you this like teacher who's like barely out of college energy, but it's coming at you as like this woman who's like dramatic and in her forties and maybe like nearing like <laughs> the end of like her her years. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, I, I, I love this, but it's kind of like Judy Funny from Doug and that she's always very dramatic and older than, and I'm like, no, you're this age. I and would so have I just, to see an older character for this, yes. Saying because I again Noah and Drew did well because they don't know how to fail um these sort of roles, but yeah. also it's just it was a weird energy in that it just it didn't fit. Do you think like so she I loved seeing the title card executive producer Drew Barrymore? That was yes. so beautiful to me. But do you think she was just like, where do I put myself in this movie? Like it needs a name, it I it kind of needs me in it. Yeah. But like she's too old to play the sister. Yeah. He's too young to play the mom. Yeah. There really wasn't a role for her in this other than the teacher. Yeah. But I have to say, I full heartedly disagree with you. I full heartedly disagree. I think it was perfect for the teacher. 
Here's what I've been thinking. What if, hear me out, what if we'd switched her and Beth so she got to play the weird Jesus teacher uh, in Sparkle Motion and Beth was the dramatic older teacher who was like, sit by the boy you think is most attractive for the cigarette instead. That would have been killer. This, let's and it would have it. Been, it would have given Drew maybe even a little bit more to do. Yeah. No, okay, I'm not angry at it. It's a good plan, but I just really liked her as this like weird, witchy, kind of inappropriate young teacher. That was another thing. Her outfits were older than her because like she's shopping where our moms would be shopping if they were professionals. Yeah. And I'm like, I know Drew Barrymore is not wearing this. Um, how, how do you think she was on this? I mean, we could we could be journalists and look into it, but we won't. Yeah. I mean, I know that she had to be 30-something because E.T. Yeah. had been a minute. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> that fire starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- her, all of her kid work had was in the 80s, and this was now the year 2000. So she was probably late late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. Yeah, maybe even mid thirties because I, she was a little, she was a bit older than we thought in those movies in the eighties. But she's um, still young as hell. She, I don't understand what time is stopping for her and no one else. I'm um, just like, I guess it's because she's been here forever and she's been yeah. doing this since she was like yeah. a little baby babes. But it's interesting. My secret wish is that they figure out what they want to do with Drew Barrymore because I feel like she keeps finding roles now that she's older that aren't her ministry because she has such good energy and she can do the Drew Barrymore but like we just don't have a place for women of that age doing Drew Barrymore Mm -hmm. and I want that because I feel like we get so stuck in these like certain types and it doesn't leave room for actors who can still do things to actually enjoy doing something because like Santa Clarita Diet did you try to watch that? I watched all of it yeah of course you did I I was like I want more for her and Timothy Oliphant (laughs) I agree it wasn't it was not quite enough for either of them, definitely. No. And I, I almost feel like this land of like uh, over-emotional daytime talk show host kind of does work for her, but it's a little bit un- too unhinged for me to like really give it all of my time. Her and Kelly Clarkson were like, if people won't give me things, I will make a thing. And I respect that um, as somebody who keeps making things. <laughs> but also, I'm just like, give them stuff. I mean, give Drew stuff. I don't really know about Kelly. She seems fun. But like, <laughs> give Drew things. Because again, I agree. especially because we are in a genre renaissance. Um, we are having so many genres pop off. Like, Winona Ryder's playing a mom in Stranger Things. And that's cool for Winona, who was a great actor of her day. And we didn't mm-hmm. know where she was going to go. Why can't Drew be that kind of a person in a different show? I agree. Show Give her like a cool mom. I, I really want Sam Michelle Geller to be on the new season of Yellow Jackets. I think that oh, would be like perfect for her. If her and Drew show up in Yellow Jackets, right? Right. Shut it down. As like a weirdo sisters or something that like are up to no good. I don't even care how we make it. Write kind of something if you need to. I, yeah, want them, yeah. I want them there. I want them in the past and the future looking the same in like fierce outfits and cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me. A hundred, a hundred. I couldn't agree with you hundred percent. Should we write that? And just like I, I'm down. I Just like write it in. Just make it happen. Yeah. If you had to pick someone, like this, this cast is stacked beyond belief. Who would you want to go to next? Oh, um... I, I feel like we have to talk about Mary McDonald, a.k.a. <laughs> Little Miss, um, I forgot the name of it, Galactica, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, that's not a reference for me, because I'm... You weren't that kind of a nerd. Hey. I, I gotcha. <laughs> um, so in Battlestar Galactica, um, that's where I know her from. She's done a lot of stuff. Her resume is like 
forever and always. But she was like, it's the president figure. I forget what it is because it's been a few years. But she's like the president figure. I'm like, that's cool. They have like a woman president person in the future who's like, hey, the world's Ooh. not safe anymore. We should all get on this ship. Finally, we voted in a lady. Finally. It took yes. it took until Gattaca for, Listen, for us to, it, to it vote in a lady. <laughs> 30,000 years in the future <laughs> where things are going to shit people are like I don't have time to be sexist anymore let's vote <laughs> yeah yeah let's, let's vote on a white lady this right? was the mom yeah okay yeah she was killer she was so good in this she's played so many different kinds of characters and some of them could have fun because like the two that we're talking about this and the other with Bowser Galactica do not but seeing her just have fun in a comedy sometimes is what I need with my glass of wine she was so good and I she was I loved her and her husband in this they seemed horny for each other which I actually thought was really beautiful and touching they were both hot in a way that I thought was lovely they weren't just like your average like two-dimensional parent figures they were I don't know I found them to be really realistic and the opening um I think the very opening titles are kind of in slow motion Mm -hmm. and you see the dad kind of like playfully um like he's got one of those blowers that take away leaves he like <laughs> yes. blows up her skirt or something and they like have this very flirty slow motion moment and i thought okay something something real is coming they were the cool people who ended up having kids and moved to the suburbs but yeah. the cool people were still in there and we don't get that yes. a lot yes parents on tv he was am i just horny or was he hot he, he was kind of hot for an older man. I'm not going to lie to you. I love that he had joy because he was like, yeah. Donnie said this thing or Donnie did this thing to the person. And he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's a cool dad to be like, it's funny. She deserved it, but we have to be adults. And we're going to we're gonna uh-huh. take care of this. Let's go out to the parking lot and laugh about <laughs> it together. No, no, 100%. Because usually that parent would be like, you're grounded. I don't care. Like, there's right? usually like no depth there at all. Nice. But generally speaking, Donnie Darko does act um out of justice like he's not doing things because he's purely rude he's like doing things because they're right and when he goes after beth beth you dearest (laughs) should we give a little bit of background into that character that like kind of antagonistic character so people know what we're talking about yes because she's the true villain um (laughs) kitty farmer (laughs) yes say the name again Kitty Farmer. That's the name of the character? Yeah. So there's this character named Kitty Farmer who's like very religious and very uptight and very like family rights kind of a vibe. And she is the one that's leading these little girls into their dance competition and is causing an uproar about literature in the school that Drew Barrymore is teaching. And it's just like very Christian mom energy. And at one point she's trying to teach Donnie and his class some bullshit about like fear versus love. But like, it was just coded Christianity yep. and Donnie like isn't having it and tells her to like shove it up her butt and gets in a lot of trouble for it. And the dad is ultimately like, he had the right to do that. And I stand by my child. Listen, and I love that because she's awful. Um, she's a Christian stage mom who takes the side of the child pornographer. Yes, um, of course I, she does. She is every she is every stereotype you imagine an older white woman in the suburb to be, and she nails it because like Beth Grant ha- knows this character. This is the character she keeps getting. What? <laughs> yeah, we keep ending up talking about her and podcasts that we're on together. So I'm glad that we have her name. 
should we just go ahead and try and make her be on one of our mini shows so we can just ask her in person? Uh, Beth Cast? Beth Grant, yeah. I love it. I am 100% here for that. And and she is great in this. I think that she pulls off the antagonistic role like way better than the kind of inserted Patrick Swayze character who we'll get to in a moment, which I didn't think was really earned. Um, we, we knew yeah. he was guilty of something. And so when the house burned down, we're like, what are they going to find in there? Yeah. Well, so they have Patrick Swayze, who's like clearly a bit of a, a celeb get for this movie. And he plays this like inspirational sort of speaker slash kind of Christian leader vibe dude. And Donnie sort of gives him sass in front of a school during a reception. And then it does turn out after Johnny like, floods or burns down his house that he has all this child pornography and he isn't this like saint that he portrays himself to be but I also find that he is never really on screen with anybody else it kind of feels like a B unit like (laughs) they went to go film around Patrick Swayze's house for a day so they could like get him in the movie yeah no which is wild I kind of wonder because I don't I don't remember the timeline but I wonder if maybe he had his diagnosis and so they were doing things at a different pace Maybe that's right because this may have been around that time. It, it was—it's always a gift to see Patrick Swayze on screen. Because oh, nobody puts baby in a corner, and not even, not even Donnie. Listen, nobody. And, and nobody. I, <laughs> I will say he's one of the celebrity deaths that I didn't know how hard it was going to hit me till it hit me. Because I—I grew up watching '80s things, so I was a '90s kid, and that's what's on TV when <laughs> you're a decade after. And yep. he was just everywhere, and I was like, "Oh no." My childhood crumbling. He was never a main like uh, touchstone for me because I was never a, I was never a dirty dancing person. I was never really a ghost person. It kind yeah. of skirted me, but I definitely, I definitely always respected the Sways. You know, I always wanted to see it's Billy Flynn because I don't like Chicago. The play, the movie's better, oh. but I think he made that interesting Billy Flynn because he's. He just has that empathetic situation, or he had an empathetic situation in the face some actors have. Did he play Billy? Yeah, and I would kill to see a clip. Um, I'm sure I can like find it on the dark web, but like my computer is my life feeling, so I'm not trying to like Hmm. give her a virus for that. I feel like I'm the one that has to dark web for us sometimes. You do, and you can just like (laughs) FaceTime me. That'd be cool. I'd be like, get it, Billy, get it, (laughs) get it. (laughs) That's great casting, though. And I find it interesting that you say the movie is better than the live show because I've never seen the live show, but like, don't. I don't hate the movie. So I did find that interesting that you said that. No, I because the movie was so good, I expected the play to be so good, but it's more of a, like a, we're gonna sing, we're gonna sing, and there's no real connective tissue. And I'm like, no, no, That's no, cool. no, no. Right? I'm like, so they're just dancing in their underwear, singing, and then being like, here's two lines, we can get to the next song. And I'm like, why are we here? Where's Queen Latifah, though? You know, did she get the Oscar? I feel like she, she should have. have. She's definitely I, nominated. The production I saw, Sally Struthers played Mama Morton. Sally Struthers. Yeah. Who? You will Google her and you'll be like, okay, no. okay, okay. Yeah. She's okay. a lovely lady, but it just was, she's not Mama Morton. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to, I, I would play that role. I've always You'd wanted to play um, Divine's character in Hairspray. Yes. I guess maybe I just, maybe I just like I'm desperate to have a reason to do drag. I think you just need the reason of you have a good dress. Let's go. Um. The issue is I'll never, I'll never know how to put on eyeliner. I just, I'll never know. I'll never hey know. Hey, someone, 
Or just put on okay. fake lashes. And there's so much going on, nobody will notice. I'll never know how to do that either. Do you know how to put on fake lashes? Of course I not. Could, Have you met me? I, I, I could never. I could never. We're going to get our friend Jazz from Girl That's Scary to give a makeup mm-hmm. tutorial because she's going to help me figure out how to use a wig. Um, <laughs> and she'll help us get into drag. She should. She I, should. I, that's the content I would watch. Yes. Um, w- would you be okay if we talked a little bit about Seth Rogen? Because I was shocked and appalled and a little horny to see him in this movie. I love that his first line that I clock is, I like your boobs. And it said <laughs> with such Pete Davidson energy. Uh, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he was, it was very, very young Seth Rogen, which may have been giving Pete Davidson energies. I think this is the original Pete Davidson. Like, I think that was his first line in the movie when it was just like very acceptable to just like sexually like harass women on the street when you're in mm-hmm. high school. That was the energy I was getting. Yeah. Like, I, this high school makes no sense because you have, like, Donnie's weird friends and they are not stoners, but they're stoners. Right. Um, <laughs> they, they absolutely are stoners. This movie wasn't allowed to show it. That Smurf conversation, who are they lying to? Well, that Smurf conversation, I feel like is very culturally significant. Not that I, like, support it. I just feel like I remember it was very impactful for its time. People, like, talked about that a lot, I feel like. The friend who showed me this movie would quote that. Um, yeah. And that's how it came to be that I was watching this. I'm like, I don't understand this Smurfette conversation you keep trying to have at me. No, I didn't understand it either. But I did feel like Richard Kelly was following his impulses when writing that. And I have to say, you know, that's very important for creatives. And I could just sense it was happening in that moment. Was it pro-woman? I'm going to say no. <laughs> not in that. No. Not in that segment. No. It, it did give Jake Gyllenhaal a moment of comedy, though, in an otherwise yeah. depressing role. <laughs> His racist friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. With the floopy hair. Listen, ah, floopy hair. Yeah, no, that did. Um, I, I mean, his friends were not fugly, but also they just were not my type. But also they were behind Jake Gyllenhaal, which is mm-hmm. the Beyonce of their group. So. Oh, mega. And Jake Gyllenhaal has just never been smokier than this movie. Listen, when him and his sister are yelling at each other about fucks and sucking a fuck, I was like, this is confusion. This oh, is confusion. Because I'm like, probably, I don't know, as gay as it gets, I just like, I, I, Maggie and me don't have that spark. I I didn't think we did until I saw her yelling at her brother who looks <laughs> a lot like her, and he was yelling at her. And I was like, I should unpack this at some point. Not now. Good, because I've been desperate fire. for you to, to have some kind of queerness for her months now desperate all of us are rooting for me (laughs) i have been i have been trying to get it out and it just hasn't you're just so straight it's okay it's okay for you to be straight i guess it's not invite me to the gyllenhaal house let's see what happens (laughs) (laughs) i think this might be like a okay time for us to segue in and tell me if i'm not saying this right but Sharita? Sharita? Sharita or Sharita. They said it two different ways. I don't know okay. if they made a choice. Sharita Chen. A very interesting character in this film that I think was dealt with appropriately and inappropriately depending on who you are and what scene you're talking about. Um, would you be okay with you if I tried to like summarize who this character is? Yes, please. I think it might be helpful for me to try to like work through this. Especially as, you know, as a fat person, because this is the fat representation in this film. Yeah. So Charita is the, I think, only, one of the only two non-white roles in this film. 
Because you need a black janitor. If you did have a black janitor, and <laughs> that was a caricature that was upsetting. And I think we have to talk about that in depth. Mm-hmm. But she, Charita, is this, I believe, a Chinese student at this private school. I don't know if she's exchanged or she's just like the one not white girl at the school. And uh, English is definitely her second language. She is definitely a person of size and is treated with absolutely no respect, not by her peers and not really by the filmmaker. The way that this character is framed throughout the film is with empathy, I think. The character, I think that the filmmaker definitely was trying to showcase Charita with empathy, but sometimes it comes across as pity. And I think that's even more disrespectful at the end of the day. But she has some interesting moments. Donnie and his friends yell terrible racist things at her. And I actually think the racism, the shut up line is like was a huge part of culture for a while there like kids were racist at school yelling shut up in the style of this movie in my memory like people were using this in the streets and so it didn't have a great impact there there's a moment where this character gets to showcase a dance number which is actually kind of beautiful but is not received necessarily that well people are yelling rude things at her But over the course of the film, I think we're sort of supposed to be seeing her kind of set free or or, or start to, um, I don't know, showcase who she really is on some kind of a level. And I don't think it's successful, but I think in moments there, we get some real pathos there. How do you feel about her? I feel like she was an idea that never got finished because like we meet her and it's the racist situation she's waiting on for the bus yeah and like we just keep seeing her these moments of racism or these moments of being ignored or even when like her beautiful dance is over drew barrymore's character that teacher the person who seems to even care but they don't ever exchange words I but she's really interesting yeah especially because she's there when drew barrymore has our scream at the end of getting fired for being a good teacher i loved that moment for them can you explain that moment because i think I'd, I'd love people to like remember it Yes. So uh, Drew Barrymore's character, whose name I could easily look at on my list real quick. Like, stop saying that. Yes, the teacher made it. Um, Karen Pomeroy. Ooh, that uh-huh. sounds okay. a fun name. Uh-huh. Karen Pomeroy is a new teacher here, and she's teaching English, and she's making the kids read things that Beth Grant's character, Kitty Farmer, disagrees with, obviously, because how dare you teach the children about morals and ethics? Um, <laughs> and so, like, it's a whole thing at the school, and they're going back and forth. And finally, um, they pull her into the office to be like, this is your last week because you can't be teaching our kids how to read and think for themselves in the suburb, bitch. And they dismiss her. because She's like, but why? Huh? Why? And they're like, woman, out my office. You're a woman. Um, and so she goes out, and in a moment of just, like, pure and adulterated what the fuckery, she just sort of, like, yells, and it's really cool. And she looks up, and Trina's there eating her lunch, like, on the bleachers by herself because she's a fat Asian kid, so she just had friends here because racism. And <laughs> and they exchange that silent moment, and then, like, Miss Pomeroy goes ahead and goes about her day. But it, it felt weird because, like, this is the only person who even sort of cares. They never had scenes together, really, aside from this one. Which is the person who sees this girl's potential. And I, what would it be if you lost the one person who even treated like a human being? Yeah. Yeah. And they have this, like, very honest moment. Or at least Drew Barrymore's character is honest in that moment. Where they, like, kind of look at each other. And it's not embarrassment. It's just 
sadness. It's very same girl, same energy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because Sharita's not allowed to yell. Something that that character, the Drew Barrymore's teacher character, brings up in this film that I think also had a big impact on culture in my middle school was Cellar Door. This whole idea that she teaches it, I think almost just to Donnie at one point, where she teaches him that according to some linguist, Cellar Door is the most beautiful phrase in the English language. And that has stuck with me my whole life because I've always thought, is that? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it is? I feel like there's got to be different um, phrases that are more beautiful. I can't think of them. I mean, I don't, I like it because it's spooky ooky ooh. Yeah. I'm not mad about it, but also I'm not living. No, me neither. And it almost is like cellar. I was like, no. It's like, it's like a snake in the in the, in the barrel. Like, right? It feels it feels like a first attempt at a drag name. Like she's gonna do it, right? This is her first drag name, but she's gonna come back and revamp and rebrand for the new name. Seller whore. That's the word. That's the best <laughs> phrase. Yes. Yes. The most beautiful phrase in the English language is seller whore. <laughs> oh, it's like sell her, comma, whore. Ooh. Okay, Ooh, I love it. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm pro sex work. <laughs> I I have always wondered about that because Drew Raymore says it. I want to believe it, but I I can't believe it on the real world. You think this is a Halloween movie, and I can I can get you the reasons why I'm asking, but it's October. It said October. We're counting down to Halloween, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's this a Halloween a party. Movie. Okay, okay. I don't need. Okay, fine, fine. It's obvious, but and also they go. To see some, they can see the Evil Dead. It's like I actually forgot that the movie that they see that Jenna Maloney and um, Jake Gyllenhaal see together is the Evil Dead, and I think that's right. so cool and so interesting. I didn't remember all of the like nods to like Evil Dead and Halloween in this movie because like I just remember him on this weird journey of time travel and having to end up sacrificing himself to get things back on track. And I, I did remember all of the cool stuff. And I'm like, this should have been covered on here forever ago and always ago. Yeah. Do you think that this could have been a more straightforward horror movie? Or do you think, no, this is the way that it had to be? I think if it had tried to dip further in, it would have lost some stuff. Because we're already juggling so much with the wormholes mm-hmm. and Grandma Death. And yeah. him needing to realize that the countdown to the end of the world is the countdown to the day he's gonna like meet his end. Mm-hmm. Um, and him smiling about it when he does it because he has all these great memories now. And so I think that oh. it's more of a drama sci-fi situation. It was always gonna live there. Yeah. What do you think? It, I agree with you 100%. I like that it can exist in the realm of spookiness with October countdown and the Halloween party at the end, which felt very much like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer Halloween party. <laughs> I don't know if you felt that way. Um, and yeah, with the Evil Dead and Halloween, and it, it sort of exists in the scope of horror while just sort of being this very emotional sci-fi drama. And I, I think that they weirdly managed to balance all of that really well. Kind of feels like lightning in a bottle, kind of. Can we talk about how the Halloween party when Elizabeth is like, "Where's Frank?" and you're like, "Frank is a real person." That I know. gag. But, like, but is that earned? Because Frank being a real person is still kind of like meaningless to me. Like, what? And then, but he was also like the weird example in Patrick Swayze's presentation as like the bad man. 
Like, what, what's going on with Frank? That was one Frank too many. Because in the presentation, I'm like, okay, that's Frank. <laughs> and then we come back, she's like, where's Frank? I'm like, oh. And so I, I, I understand that the Frank that is his friend Frank in his world um, is a real person from a different universe. And we're fucking with different timelines and universes. Oh. And so it's very Terminator. But instead of looking for Sarah Connor, he's looking for the dude who shot him. And he's Ca- like... Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so for people that may, may not remember, although you probably will... Frank is the name of his like scary bunny friend, the guy that's dressed up as like a terrifying Easter bunny throughout the film and is like his imaginary friend who is probably the most like visually iconic part of this film is that bunny character mm-hmm. who turns out to be an actual dude who was dressed as a bunny on Halloween that for some reason Donnie Wahlberg, no, Donnie Darko <laughs> shot. So you're saying this is like a real person in, in an alternate reality? Yeah, because he when he takes his face off at the movie theater, because Donnie asked him to, he has the bullet hole and the scar. Uh-huh. And so like, I think that this is, I think that this played out a couple times before. And this time he's come back at the right point to catch Donnie to be like, hey, you gotta, you, if you want to make it right, here's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we get to see all the stuff that Donnie does. That's good stuff. It needs to be done. But unfortunately, it gets undone when he sacrifices himself at the end so everybody can live. Including, like, including Frank, who he's not going to shoot in the face. Exactly. Like, he saved himself. Um, yeah, and also, we still have the random plane engine because that plane still doesn't exist. That's what, that's what sends me. The plane shit. But I, mm. <laughs> it's very lost. It's like, it doesn't really make sense. No. I think I've never been high enough to watch this and understand it. And I think that's my own fault. I was so high when I tried to watch it last night and it yeah. didn't work out, which I'm almost okay with because I think ultimately at the end of the day, I needed all of my faculties to to really get what was going on. And I'm not even sure if I did. I don't think any of us do. We just love it. Can I share with you my theory on how this came to be? Think yes. Yes. I think that the writer-director Richard Kelly was high as a kite and was watching Harvey because Jimmy Stewart, if you're going to do a classic movie. Okay, um, okay. And it, yeah, because in that movie, Jimmy Stewart has an imaginary rabbit that we never see. And people are like, he's lost his mind. Let's take his money. He shouldn't be in charge of shit. Let, let's, get his, let's get him into the institution. And I think he's watching that and talking to his friend who was also high. And he was like, this is really cool. But like, what if it was darker, you know? And like, mm-hmm. also, what if like Jimmy Stewart, like, because Jimmy Stewart also the same character, He's like, what if he like had to die at the end? It's not a wonderful life. You gotta die, Jimmy. And his friend was like, dude, I think you're high. I think you should write it down. I think that's the only possible explanation for how this yeah. movie got made. So I think you did the good work. I think you did good work. Thank you. Because it's very steampunk Harvey, but we get to see the rabbit. And we also have to kill our lead. Which I'm a fan of people killing leads. I don't think enough leads mm-hmm. die in movies. I agree with you 100%. I think it's very Hollywood for everyone to live and for there to be a romance which unfortunately this movie does do i don't think this movie needed a romance or am i wrong i i mean i'm not gonna lie i was happy donnie got laid i and i don't know why i'm so invested i'm other than it's jake gyllenhaal and you just always get laid or do you just mean the hypothetical the the emotional they got laid because she came over she's like my stepdad might have shown up and he might have killed my mom and our house in disarray you know make me feel better take your pants off and so they they fuck and they come downstairs and they have the we just fucked for the first time energy right 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 right. even in step if you watch the feet come down the stairs left right left right like a jean commercial i'm like Mm -hmm. those two fuck and it probably was mediocre but both of them were like it felt good 
It's the best they could ask for, especially for first time. Is Jenna Malone is very Jenna Malone. Am I saying her fucking name right? Yeah, Jenna Malone. Jenna Malone is so Jenna Malone in this movie to to attend, but it definitely fits it. I wish that she maybe was given a little bit more to do. She's not, but whenever she's on screen and her lines are not incredible, she like really commits and is really perfectly cast. I think her Gretchen is one of the least offensive love interests I've ever seen. Because <laughs> even when her and Downey are having that walk away from, I like your boobs, Seth Rogen and friends, it, it's very much like your name's Danny Darko. What the fuck kind of name is that? Are you a superhero? And he's like, maybe. And so they are weird together. And I'm like, I like it when weird people find each other and eventually fuck and then have to like undo all the universe. Um, <laughs> I agree. You know what? And I, and I will say the emotional beats of this romance got me. Like I, I, there were a little bit of tears in my in my ubos. So maybe I'm just being a, a, a jerk. Maybe the romance here kind of does have its place. I think so. I think that because again, like I think I didn't write down the quote, but I think it was her, her character that was talking to him about when you die, you want all these great memories, and he doesn't seem to be a kid who has a lot of great memories because he's no. sad and. He's in a suburb. And so he did all this cool shit. He did all these things that helped people. And even though it's going to be undone when he dies, he can say that he did it on one level. So mm-hmm. he can like sleep peacefully as he is murdered by a judge in his own bed. I mean, it will happen and you have to be prepared. There are two more characters that I just want to touch on really, really quickly. Yes. One is Roberta Sparrow, aka Grandma Death. Yes. Do you want to like... Will you and your own POV tell me what that character was all about? So she's the scary lady in every neighborhood, but we find out the scary lady also wrote the book that Donnie needs to figure out what is going on with these timelines and alternative universes. So another brilliant woman driven mad by society. I loved it. Could have been my wife. Um, in a timeline, she might be. She could have been. Who's my wife? Um, Lynn Shea. This could have been Lynn Shet, in my opinion. Can you imagine? I could imagine. I love this two-dimensional, like, lady of the woods, kind of, like, recluse character. And it's because she has all these, like, she's really wealthy and has all these gems that kids keep trying to steal. So she just, like, lives in the woods so no one can find her. It's really funny. I also love that she keeps walking that path back and forth. And people are like, what for? What for? And it's so she can do this shit on this night. So that it can all trigger it all. And I'm I just like, there's it. a reason for the season. She kind of looked like Pearl from, have you seen X yet? Of course. Um, <laughs> I, she looks like Pearl, but with a lot less um, fake bits and parts. Yeah, if Pearl's like a little more, a little bit more naturalistic looking. Yes, they went very gross with the the plastic. They, they went gross with the plastic, but I will say the wig better for better on pearl than it was on this one this, this, wig, win the was, this wig was 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 a problem wig technology was not good back then apparently <laughs> um ginger snaps looking at that oh my god specifically bridget yeah that bridget wig every time i see that in a feature image i'm like oh god that that hard that hard front they didn't even try they were like throw the wig on her we have to start recording and like, why she- just take it off just like use her hair and they could paint her with wind. That poor actor was trying to fight her wig and remember her lines and like hit her mark. 
It's Emily Perkins, okay? Very important woman in my life. Um, yeah, not not a good wig. I think in the second one, maybe there wasn't a wig, but maybe there was, hard to say. I think it was, because it was still not great. It was not as <laughs> but it was not great. And then, of course, Ginger snaps back. Everybody got a bad wig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because there really was a good wig technology in 1800s Quebec. So no. <laughs> no. not where the wig was. Listen, the wigs were snapped back. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so was the plot. <laughs> Although you know, if they were fur trappers, they could have figured it out. They could have figured it out. I I think that would have been for the best. Can I tell you uh, a story about my best friend who had never seen a Ginger Snaps movie and then got Scarlet Fever and was like writhing in in like horrible illness on her couch. And like woke up in the middle of the night and Ginger snaps back. The third one was on TV. And oh, she was like, I didn't know this movie was in the 1800s. And it's like really <laughs> messed up her mind to this day. I can't imagine um, having a fever waking up on that. And you, yeah. Because you would assume you're just hallucinating because it's so bad. But instead, it's a real movie. And you have to live with that knowledge. No one is real. I just do love that there is a Ginger Snaps franchise. And that is all that really matters to me. They were supposed to get a show. And then I don't know if it got lost in the sauce because of COVID. I'm very aware that there was supposed to be a show. They were not bringing back original writer, um, a lady, and I think that that's very sad. Although, another episode of Development Hall in the works. You never know. Listen, I want to know about that show and the Tragedy Girl show, because I will oh. I will take out my left eye to be in the writer's room for either of those. Oh, God, me too. I did not know there was going to be a Tragedy Girl show. That makes sense. I feel that movie did have quite a moment. And the way it ended, it was very open. And so you're like, what's next? And we don't know because COVID. That is interesting. I kind of like to like see them in middle school. Listen. <laughs> what were they I, up to? I've followed them for at least three more years. I think they have three more years of getting away with this, but they have to be like, we need to end it or do something different. Or get <laughs> new Tragedy Girls. I love our Tragedy Girls, but also they're yep. going to be too old for college in a minute. So it'll be Tragedy Girls in college. I mean, grad school. <laughs> tragedy Girls like, and their social media jobs. Right? And they're just like, oh, no, I hate this. Mm-hmm. Another plane. So we've talked a little bit about the fact that there was a sequel to Donnie yes. Darko called S. Darko. Um, I have not seen it. You have not seen it. But I think the important fact here is that it's about his little sister, Samantha. The lead dancer of Sparkle Motion, yeah. The lead dancer of Sparkle Motion, Devaya Chase, who we've mentioned, was also Samara from The Ring. And I don't know if we mentioned this on air, but was the voice of Lilo in Lilo and Stitch. So she really had a 2000s run. Good for her. Because can you imagine being the one kid in this house who didn't do anything? Oh, I oh in this oh in this house too, in Donnie Darko? Like Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you're sandwiched between two Jillen Halls. And so you don't want to be the third one who was just there because you were tiny. You have to be like, mm. I have to do stuff too. I and she does, and she does. Um is it okay if I now turn this into de- the development hell podcast Let's always ahead. go for it um so we were i was doing our little like research about this movie today and i was so interested to find out that in 2017 richard kelly said that there was going to be a sequel and he called it much bigger and more ambitious than the original although then there were zero updates until january of 2021 when he said something along the lines of it took an enormous amount of work, but the script had been finished and that he had been sort of inspired or pushed to finish the script after meeting with James Cameron back in like 2010. Who James found, Cameron. Yeah. James fucking Cameron for some reason, who's like, you know, a bit of a spook, but he was the one that like really pushed Kelly to make a sequel because he thought the ending to the original was 
disturbing and I think he wanted to like know more of what was going on um and I guess when you have lunch with James Cameron it just makes you want to do stuff um like not work with James Cameron (laughs) listen (laughs) once you meet him (laughs) (laughs) you have seven days seven days and then and then you and then you have to work on his movies and you get drowned I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't think this needed a sequel. I, I haven't seen Estraco, and maybe it's a banger. Um, and maybe <laughs> what he wants to do is amazing. But I think that I, because, like, literally, we bookended it so hard. Like, it, it feels like it needed to be a standalone because he understands what it was all about, even if we don't. <laughs> and they even like layer the song on. So the dreams in which I'm dying, the best I've ever had, are playing us out while he's being murdered. And like, that is too. It's perfect. Oh, or that, or that, or that. But it's or like, both. I, it does, it all kind of feels earned. And I can't tell you why I feel that way because I don't really know what's going on. Listen. But you're, I do feel like it earns its, its ending. My theory on why it feels earned this time um, is because we, we start off with Donnie and he is, he's detached. He is removed from all of this. His family, his supposed friends, everybody, he's removed. And after he's been told it's going to end in 26 days, whatever, 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 um, he's like, oh, shit, I care about people. I care about things. So it's kind of the wake up Pearl moment, you know? And he's like, oh, no, I've woken up. I've woken up. And, like, he, he's engaging with his friends. He's actually, like, and him and his mother have had a sort of talk. Um, his therapist is starting to try and help him. And he's met a teacher who's listening to him. And he's got these theories. And he has a purpose. And unfortunately, his purpose is to be killed. So all these people that he just found out he actually loves can live. It's kind of beautiful. Although it's also kind of a bit of a Jesus journey. But whatever. (laughs) So is Harry Potter. Listen. So is Star Wars. Listen. You know what we don't get when we have women leads? Jesus journeys. Thank goodness. Actually, is that true? Has never been a lady Jesus journey? I can't think of one. I can't think of not a one, and it's because women are not <laughs> Christian. Was Devil Wears Prada not a Jesus journey? I I'm never just, saw just, it. I, <laughs> my, good I, for you. Good right? for you. It's Disney and it's Anne Hathaway? Oh, no. Was it Disney? Yeah. I'm surprised. They do everything. I mean, they own me. Listen, I, I believe they own a lot of my friends, so at least you're all in good company. <sighs> I agree. My last thought is the 80s aesthetic is so strong that it feels like it is a movie from the 80s. Like, I imagine Winona Ryder was going to walk out any second. And yay, magical. I, I totally agree. When it first started, I was like, this movie's dated. Like, this movie's not pulling it together for the year 2000 or 2001. And I was like, oh, no, it's actually just a very strong period piece, except for the fact that he has, like, Harry Potter hair. You know, like, that very... <laughs> that like dated 2001 Harry Potter hair. It's like they gave him a hairpiece and a bump it and I'm like he doesn't need both. I know. The hair definitely dates this. I would say it's the only thing that really dates this movie is Donnie Darko's hair. This I I I got the suburb. I got the hair. I got the Christian ladies. I got the sparkle motion. I got the jumpsuits. Um and so I'm like this is clearly the fucking 80s. And I remember it being the 80s and I I don't know how you capture that in a bottle so well. Mm-hmm. And then you have his hair which has never seen a comb. Or a brush, or no. a kind word. It looked and like a wig. It had to be. That is not Jake Hall's real hair. I know he doesn't shower, but he showers more often enough to not have that happening on his head. I, 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 like it's it, it's a shame because like 
It's just so hot. But yeah, the hair was weird. He's too hot to not shower. And I need him to know that. I have to give you that. And Sparkle Motion, for those who don't know, need to know. One of the best parts of this movie, I don't know why. So yeah, there's this little kid group, Johnny's little sister is a part of, that like a big part of the movie is their 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 dance rendition to an 80s song and they get to go on star search and that's why they ended up on like the doomed plane ride um but they the moment where we see the sparkle motion dance routine is like i guess there's a montage around it so it's like especially weighty but it's really good it like really earns its keep I, I just, I, I kind of love it because you have this group of girls who are younger than you would normally see practicing these and being these kind of bitches because we never get into the politics of this five person group of <laughs> children who are like 10, but you know there's some mean girl shit going on. You just know oh, it. Oh, for sure. Although I do kind of think Donnie's sister is like the leader. Oh, yeah. No, she's, she's the head the mean girl. One. She's Regina George. He said something really inappropriate to her at the beginning or the, yeah. she's like, I don't, she's someone in her school is like early pregnancy. And she was like, I don't want to have an early pregnancy. And he's like, not till eighth grade. <laughs> and I was like, what the yeah. fuck? Because the sister was going to vote for some Republican. And the parents were like, we raised you better than this. And they're going to like a fourth of dinner table. And she's like, I'm not going to speak to my time 30 anyway. So that's not my problem. And mm-hmm. he wants to take away women's rights. And the little girl's like, what can I squeeze one out? And Daddy's like, well, you're eighth grade. And the dad is trying to not laugh and eat his pizza. They're <laughs> eating pizza at a table and being a family. And the parents are cool. And I'm jealous. I'm really jealous, too. But at least we're adults now. And we don't have to We don't have to be kids in a scary environment anymore. You can buy your own pizza, though. I know, but anytime you want. Mm, yeah, that's true. I'm gonna mm. order some tonight, probably. It's a bad now that idea. we've said pizza more than three times, it's like it's like Beetlejuice. It just operates, right? Like I know pizza's a bad idea. I'm not feeling pizza. Um, pizza is probably the worst idea, but it's also the best idea. Also, I'm moving, so I can put her on some foil in an oven and just keep reheating. Moving and pizza go hand in hand, like yeah, like Japanese food and beer. I don't know why I said that, but I stand by it. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay, wait, in the States, what's like the best crappy delivery pizza? Ooh, okay. If you're in Chicago and you get deep dish, deep dish is like, it's a whole other monster. It's like a casserole each slice. But if you leave Chicago, I would say the best chain, unfortunately, is Pizza Hut. Cause like, okay, we got that. Papa John's has baggage. I don't, I, I that does sound familiar. I don't think we have Papa John's. Maybe we do. First off, it's not great pizza, and the owner a few years ago, I don't know if he's still the owner or not, was Sweaty Man, Sweaty Trump Man. Yes, yes. He was racist and taking tusks from elephants, and so we were like, let's not eat mediocre pizza if he's doing these things. No, 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 no. Uh, And and then Domino's is so hit and miss. It's so. Yeah. I thought it was all going to be different. So we have one here, like the really basic, like cheap, cheap one that is everywhere here has the stupidest name, and it's called, are you ready? Pizza, pizza. No. Yeah. You pizza, pizza. Five, no. six, seven, eleven, eleven. No, I'm yeah. sorry. And we also have Pizzaville. Do you have that? Because that one's good. No. Do you have Little Caesars? Yes, and that's a bad one. Yeah, five dollars for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little Caesars and two for one are like you know it's it's gonna be bad. 
You know, but you do it anyways. <laughs> I get Little Caesars and Papa John's mixed up, but we definitely have Little Caesars because I think my little cousin worked at one and told us the truth, which is what we knew, that it's scary, scary, scary. When I was in undergrad in Warrensburg, Missouri, you didn't have a lot of food options. Oh. And so the Little Caesars hot and ready became a staple and they had the best wings in town because well, there, there are no other wings in town. <laughs> <laughs> There's no comp. Um, it's monopoly on wings <laughs> so, yeah. i know about the small town experience and not that that was a small town but yeah you have to take what you've got yes so and, th- and that's when you miss the chains like you th- you talk shit about chains and then you're like in a small town where like it's just like some weird independent person pretending to be italian and you're like oh i miss pizza pizza now right you're like i just want some dominoes i'm sorry i didn't know yeah. i know now like Vito's Pizza, which is a specific chain in a small town that I know. Never, That's not I've never it. heard of it, but I, I want oh, to I'm, know. I don't, there's no way in hell that anyone has, unless you live in um, Brighton, Ontario. I could move. I have a passport. I'm unstoppable. I mean, it's where my mom lives, so I don't suggest it. I don't no. suggest it. <laughs> okay. Well, I can move nearby. I can be close enough to maybe be in the like delivery radius. There you go. Yeah. We're full of ideas. Listen, but let us, should we, should we partake in the hot takes? Are we ready we to get spicy? I think we're ready. We always let the guests tell their hot takes first. Okay. Well, it's not the most exciting hot take of all time, but I still love this movie. I have not outgrown this movie. I am still um, garden state for this movie, if that makes sense. And I think it's like kind of disappointing on some levels because I do recognize it to be a little bit douchebag undergrad, like philosophy paper energy, but in a way that just resonates for me. Um, So I still love this movie after all these years. I I feel almost regressive with, with how I feel with this film. I I love that, but I hate that because it is my hot take as well. You can look at the doc. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to read it verbatim. Oh, yeah. no. I, I say, I'm still here for this movie and won't be taking any questions because I don't get it. I don't understand this movie, but I love it. And I don't need to get it to love it. Much like a person. It's just like, you're living your best life. I don't know why you just smacked that bird. But you know what? Aside from that incident, I'm here for you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I support you, but I do. And maybe that's what love is. Danny Darko taught us love as he learned how to love. Finally. Jeez. <gasps> Took me long enough. They were getting our commitment to Sparkle Motion, not oh, his mother's. Wow. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. <sighs> she was committed. She was committed to the sparkle. She was. She was about that sparkle. She happened to play for it at last minute. <laughs> I really, I would say that's the part I'm most confused about, which is like, so they didn't die and it was another dimension. But you know what? I'm not asking questions. I, I, again, I don't understand. I don't understand. But I, I do stand. <laughs> I stand too. Yeah. Would you be worried if you saw like a s- s- swiggly CGI, like spear ghost coming out of your chest? At this point in 2022, I would be <laughs> worried if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. Oh, the music was just so good in it too. And I'm not talking necessarily about the soundtrack, which was great. But I'm talking about that Michael Andrews score, which is so spooky and unlike anything that I've ever heard since. And I was so obsessed with it as a kid, and I might have to revisit it. 
the whole movie's a mood. It's a vibe. Like yeah. the music, the costumes, everything but his wig. <laughs> what it did his hair? No. And I'm worried it's not a wig. <laughs> I'm worried. Dear Jake, if that was not a wig, please let us know so we can send you some like Venmos because you have suffered. <laughs> <laughs> he's so smoking. There's this one scene, I think he's in therapy, where he's wearing this like tiny little like blue t-shirt. Can you see yeah. it in your mind's eye? Yes, I can. Bring it back. Can we talk about how when the therapist stopped him because she put him under oh, and yeah. he was about to start jacking off and she stopped him like, let him go. Yeah, you what let you him live like- the truth. Also, this therapist, I think, had problems. Like, I don't know. Maybe because he was underage, she could just go jibber-jabber to his parents, everything he's ever said. But, like... Thank you. It felt a little inappropriate to me. I was like, you can't snitch. This is supposed to be a safe space. You can't... Like, he has an imaginary rabbit friend. Why, why is he telling you things you were telling <laughs> And you? this is how you're telling his parents that he's probably schizophrenic and has an imaginary rabbit friend? Right? It doesn't seem appropriate. There are other ways as opposed to sharing what has been said in a sacred space. We can't trust her. Take her license. She, We cannot trust her at all. And she needs to get better at hypnotherapy because like he almost exposed himself. And I think that wouldn't, he wouldn't have felt safe about that. Right? And she waited until it was almost too late, but not late enough for us as an audience member. And yeah. I'm mad at her for both reasons. And a little <laughs> too Christian too. Like I feel like she was really supporting a Christian journey for him in a way that I just don't think feels nonpartisan to me. Yes. Yes. Because I don't think had Danny lived, he would have been on the Jesus bus. Um, I feel like he was on his way to the opposite bus. But he did keep talking about God and like he wasn't a hundred percent, a thousand percent away from God. I think. I think that he was maybe closer to being an agnostic, mm-hmm. which I think he actually does say that in this movie. I don't think he was in the version I saw today, which is weird because I remember that conversation, but I didn't see it today. No, I'd have to revisit it with that lens because I am curious now. Yeah, but I remember. I yeah, actually, my, the friend who showed this to me, part of the reason they showed it to me is because there was an agnostic conversation because I had just come out of the homeschooling and I was in a community college and I was like I don't know what I believe I'm kind of indifferent I'm kind of in between and they were like you might be an agnostic I'm like explain that to me because Wikipedia is gonna lead to Jesus and so, yeah. right but this movie had a really good moment where it was described and I don't remember that today and I just that's what was missing so I'm like something's off that's what was missing that scene was that and what's on HBO Max do you remember in Community where they were talking about what religions they are and Jeff goes agnostic and they all go boo and they just like throw <laughs> paper at him because it's like such a coward's way out. It's like pick it a is. side. Pick it a is. side. And that's kind of how I feel about it. I felt seen. <laughs> <laughs> boo! It just makes me laugh so much. No, so I love Community so much. It's so true. How dare you not pick a side? Right? <laughs> like, are, which team are you on? Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not hover, wubber, bubber. Listen, but also, like, a lot of us are not going to break out the books and start doing research tonight. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on that fence. Like, <laughs> um, I'm seeing this outline something hilarious about Trent's new episode. <laughs> oh. I have to know more about it. But oh, we, okay. Only if Let you're it, ready. Only if no, because, like, after the hot take, I normally close it, but we kept talking because we're us. And the party don't stop until one of us goes to sleep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, but, no, thank you for joining us, Josh, for this special one-off Danny Darko episode. Oh my god. Uh, thank you for having me. It was a perfect episode, I think, for me, because I, I just am so glad I got to revisit it, and I'm so glad that I still like it. 
Same. It would have been awkward if we both hated it. Um, it hilarious, though. I would have still listened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and thank all of our lovely First Street listeners for listening. Uh, we don't do enough sci-fi over here because I'm a weird sci-fi girl. We need more. But for those of you who don't do sci-fi, don't worry, because next week, Trent is going to be doing this without me because it's his time to do a one-off. So and he's, <laughs> we also planned it that way because I hate Midsummer, and he's doing <laughs> Midsummer, And that is not my ministry. I will not do another three hours for that piece of movie. It's so funny that it's just, of course, Midsummer and you are just not 100% best friends. And I so do you like it. <sighs> do I like stand? Midsommar? This is how I feel. This is how I feel. I love the opening scene. I don't know why that brutal opening scene. You know, I'm not going to ruin too much, but there's like a really, really upsetting opening sequence with her and her sister and crying and snow. And I just like obsessed with it. And then the rest of the movie is about cults and I don't really care. Same. Look, if we stayed with that opening stack, that would have been cool. But we went out for three hours of the daylight. I don't like the daylight. I don't like three hours of my life. I was so mad. Oh my God. No, 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 no. And like Will Poulter? Poitier? That's all I have to say. I don't know. <laughs> he was supposed to be Pennywise. I'm happy that did not happen because like, I will take. <laughs> I'll take a creep, I'll take a creepy scars guard over no scars guard any day. Uh, yeah, I do think it worked out, and yeah. he has not a scars guard, but he's like a fake. It's true. Will whatever his last name, fake yeah. scars guard energy. Yeah. Will poultry. Um, and Florence Puh. <laughs> I hear they might be in dating. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Once you film a nine-hour movie together, you have time to get to know each other. So, <laughs> but Trent will be joined for this movie. I will never watch again by AJ from D One Eighty. So, listen to AJ's podcast, Destination One Eighty, and get ready for next week because they're going to do that. And you need to plan because it's a three-hour movie. You can't just like run at that. You need to like put that in your calendar right now. Yeah, get the catheter ready. Listen, like get your diaper, hunker mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's all we know for this week. Um, (laughs) Just leave them in the diaper note. Yeah, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.